us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. In fact, the original gatekeeper, unlike some other gatekeepers that are out there now. Mm, That sounded a bit catty. (laughs) Van Helsing. All the way from across the pond is the nasty boy himself, Steve Parsons. Good evening. I heard you stopped a truck this week. I did, a, I did. Aver, averted a disaster. An oil truck with my bare hands. Yeah. Do you want to tell us all about it? No, I don't. I picked Good. things up and put them down. I'm so glad. Hmm. So anyways, we have a, a great show today. And then you'll listen, of course, to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, TuneIn app, uh, iPod, iTunes, whatever. So there you go. Anyways, um, we have an interesting uh, person tonight, and this is a somebody who Steve uh, Parsons and myself both admire because we love mediums, and he is by far one of the most Scottish mediums I've ever met. Uh, he is an unknown <laughs> Stephen. He is by far one of the most Scottish mediums I have ever met. What so, what, how many have you ever met? Uh, Brian Boyle. Well, he's Scottish. Yeah. Probably just as, well, he's just as Scottish, isn't he? I'm sorry, Stephen. Sorry about the introduction. He is one of the most Scottish mediums I've ever met, as opposed to what? One that's a quarter Welsh. Yeah, the Welshest mediums that I've ever met or, or, or whatever. Anyways, um, he is a member of the Spiritualist Church, and uh, he has also written a, a book as well, which I have a copy somewhere where I put it, but it's around here. Uh, a- anyways, he is uh, Stephen Scott. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, that's you too. You know, you say hello. Hello. There you go. Very good. Um, thank you for coming on the show, Stephen. I, f- I feel I say Hello. Hello. I feel almost obliged to apologize. <laughs> For being Scottish? Uh, well, I'm the, most Scottish, I'm the most Scottish English person you've ever met. No, you're not. I do a Welsh accent, too. Uh, anyways, let's get serious now. We're talking serious stuff here. We're talking about the dead. Uh, oh, okay. All right. You know, enough of this yeah. lighthearted stuff. But you know what? I, I really think... When you pass on, I think you've got a sense of humor as pretty much as you do in this world. So I know God has, or else he would have never made me. God hasn't passed on. Oh, well, whatever. Ask Just Steve. Saying. Maybe he could talk to him. 
Yes, uh, I would agree completely that uh, anyone who, let's say, leaves their earthly coil behind, uh, they most definitely retain all their humour, all their personality. That's essentially what it's about when we when we begin to talk about uh, the survival beyond death, or the, the the life beyond death, is one way to put it, I suppose. Is it's the actual you know, continuation of survival and the continuation of personality. That's one of the most important things that comes through whenever you're doing a reading or a sitting or any platform work, you know, work in churches, whatever. It's always the personality that I feel coming through first. Stephen, can I, can I get you to define, because uh, you are a spiritualist, um, which is um, a religion uh, that goes back to, I think, the 1840s with the the founding uh, of spiritualism, or it's, it's laid at the door of the Fox sisters. Yes. Mediumship, of course, long predates uh, the Fox sisters and spiritualism, but can you define for us what it is, uh, what, 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 it, you know, what is spiritualism? Well, that's a, it's a pretty big field to try and dev- uh, define just in a few short words, but from my yeah. perspective, Steve... Spiritualism is, as you say, it's it's a a faith and a knowledge that there is more to just our physic our, our our existence than what we achieve in this physical life. That our spirit, our soul, our awareness, whatever you want to call it, transcends beyond just the physical here. And as a spiritualist, what we seek to do is to ensure and give people the, the, uh, the, not just the confidence but the reassurance that although they may have an individual they were very close to in this life who they've lost they have not lost that person for any length of time you know that that person's still around mm-hmm. as a spiritual entity trying to help trying to comfort trying to assist them with their own grieving process as well it's not just about delivering messages from great Aunt Aggie or whoever. It's it's about taking the the nature of spiritualism and working it into a philosophy for yourself as well. So you're quite right when you say it's more than just mediumship. Is it is it based largely on Christian uh, tenets? That depends where you go. Uh, there are some churches there is a Christian spiritualist movement uh, who and, and there are Christian spiritualist churches. Now, I'm, I'm not a member of one of them, so I'm not actually in a very strong position to speak about that. Uh, but essentially, a church service, I'm, I'm making the assumption that you've been to a church, an actual yes. spiritualist divine yes. service, yes. not yes. just a sitting, not just a, a platform demonstration, but an actual divine service. No, I have, yes. You have? I thought you would. Uh, essentially, the, the main difference between the spiritualist service and the church service is to do with the presentation of everything that makes the foundations of spiritualism as a faith and a religion. It is a modern religion, it's a recognised religion, and a lot of people don't appreciate that. They just think it's something that people get involved in and something that mediums do. But uh, there is a lot more to it than that. And certainly within the organisation that I'm a part of, it's... They look at it as a three, uh, excuse me, a threefold aspect of it being a science, a philosophy, and a religion that actually creates its own basis for the faith that we term 
to be spiritualism. So the main difference between what happens within a spiritualist service and a Christian service, I was born Church of Scotland. Um, we protested quite rightly, and um, <laughs> you know, but that's all yeah, in the past. Yeah, yeah. The Church of Scotland started the English Civil War. It did indeed. Yes. <laughs> I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, blame the Scots. Yep. As, as usual. Well, uh, yeah. It, didn't it start in St Giles Cathedral? I think it did. I yeah, honestly rip it, don't ripping, know up, the ripping up a book and then blaming Charles the First. And sorry, I'm going off yep, the tracks there. Yep, uh, just a bit. But um, yep. so essentially, another, within the with another great the thing we owe you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll leave it with you in about 195 days, Steve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so take, take Gordon Brown as well. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Anyway, we're moving off track. Sorry. Um, within the basis of the church services that I grew up in, there was one individual leading everything, and it was your local minister, and he would be essentially presenting a service, donating what is written in the Bible and everything that God has brought forward for us. Within a spiritualist service, we still acknowledge the existence of a God. And we, very often it acknowledges the existence of the God, the creator, the divine energy, the essence, whatever it, that people want to call it. And all the messages that are found within Christianity are still there within the philosophy of spiritualism. The main difference is, is that spiritualism doesn't have a controlled dogma, if I can use that word. I know that tends more towards the, you know, the opposite side of the mm -hmm. Christianity fence. But uh, the main difference is that there's no dogma or imposed thoughts or, you know, beliefs. What we try to do within spiritualism is to say to people, look, come in, see what it's about, make up your own mind, find what works for you that helps you through the process that you're going through at this present moment. And, you know, use that joyfully and take what you've learned and put it out there into the world, you know, become a positive light, look at all the good things that happened and say you've lost a mother or whatever, look at all the good things that happened in her life, we try and provide evidence, because as I've said before, sometimes the links are not there to be made through a certain person, it requires a specific medium, a specific place to bring the correct evidence through, but um, very often it's all about giving people that re-empowerment and that thought within their own belief and faith process mm -hmm. to find out what's there and make the mind up for themselves. There, is, there are a number of governing bodies, aren't there, um, within spiritualism, the Spiritualist National Union, and I think there are, there are others as well. Yes. So I was just clarifying that. Yep, yep, that's correct. Uh, there, there, there are quite a few. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Spiritualist National Union, but I'm not a representative so it's, I've not got any powers to, you know, I, I can't say what they do and how they do it. I just, I'm a member of that and the church I'm with is a member of that. Mm -hmm. But um, I suggest you find a good SNU representative if you want to ask them any questions about their organisation, though. Right, well, actually, there's, there's, um, there's a number of good publications, one of which uh, gives you the, a, a very good history of uh, the SNU, written by Gene Bassett, mm -hmm. um, to celebrate the 100th anniversary which, uh, which I, I think I would recommend. It's, I don't think I've ever actually read that one, to be perfectly honest. Um, it, most of the ones that I read and most of my involvement directly with the organisations are done through my local church. Mm -hmm. So it's, I tend to work through most of the local churches here. And not every church is affiliated to 
the SNU are a governing body. Some of them, there are a lot of um, free roaming, <laughs> if I can use a, <laughs> a Ghostbusters term, there's a lot of free roaming churches out there and um, each and every one is as good or as bad as the people who run it, to be perfectly honest. You know, mm -hmm. some of them are run very, very well that are part of a governing body. Some are run excellently that are not part of a governing body. Um, from my own perspective, uh, I prefer to work through the system within the spiritualist churches rather than, mm -hmm. you, you, you know, just turning up on the night. And, and I, I, it has happened where I've turned up to places that called themselves a spiritualist church, but all they really wanted me to do was to stand there and deliver messages for an hour and 20 minutes yeah. and walk yeah. away. And yeah. there's no thought, there's no philosophy, there's no you know, worship of the human soul and the human spirit and the continuation of it within that, it may as well just have been, you know, a demonstration night because that's mm -hmm. all it was. Mm -hmm. For me to be a spiritualist, you have to take on board everything and mm -hmm. it's not just about the mediumship. To be no, honest, I'm, oh, sorry Steve. No, I, just, I, I, I there's a slight delay so sometimes we, we tend to talk over each other. Um, in fact, I just do it to Ron anyway, so... Um, I was just looking down the list of some of the previous members of the SNU. You know, Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, honorary president. You know, it's, it's, it does have a very long and illustrious history. Oh, well, that depends how you view <laughs> some of the history associated with a lot of people. Uh, I think at times, uh, you know yourself, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle didn't just have a good history with the spiritualist movement. He also got involved in various other uh, deeds shall we say, mm -hmm. and not, mm -hmm. not everything that he did uh, shone a good light on him. What, small fair, small winged Small creatures. fairies, yes. That, <laughs> uh, yeah, it so, didn't go down well, that one. <laughs> but no, it went down like a lead balloon, as we say. Um, and on the flip side of that, there have been an awful lot of uh, individuals who have, throughout the history of spiritualism, have had their own perspectives changed by their experiences. Now, those experiences are entirely down to those individuals not being there. You know, very, a lot of these things happened in the late 1800s, as you know, which was when it was all starting to really pick up. And um, not being there, it comes down to one of the most important things about spiritualism, which is that everything is experiential. You have to experience it for yourself. Yeah. And what one person receives in a reading would, doesn't necessarily, excuse me, doesn't necessarily reflect on what another person is looking for within a reading. And I've, I've been on platform, I've, I've been doing church services, and I've delivered a message, and you're standing there and you think, this is absolutely rubbish, you're so off form with this message, what's wrong? And, but the person comes up to you at the end and talks to you in a totally different way. Not about the, the content of what you said, but perhaps the mannerism or the voice that you used to say it. So... Uh -huh. Although they might not have been able to understand why you brought their dad forward and why they were talking about a holiday in Las Vegas or whatever it is you're talking about, they, the manner that you put it across, a change in your tone, a change, sometimes even a slight shift in your accent or spirit are working with you to try and get information, you know, non-verbal communication across, sometimes means more to people than the verbal communication. And it's it's... It's constantly a balancing process every time you deliver a message. I always say to people, you don't rate a medium on everything they've done because ultimately you're only ever as good as your last message because that's exactly how people are going to remember you on the night. 
you know, it doesn't matter if you hit a blinder five in a row and then your last one's you standing there getting progressively smaller and smaller because it's just the energy's not working. You know, you're running out of time. You start pressuring yourself. You get lost in your own head and everything just goes out the window. You know, you bring that on yourself. You, you know, but that's how people will remember that particular event. So it's, 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 a, it's an interesting experience doing this type of work, to be honest. And um, as I say, for every single person, it's completely experiential. What they look to get out of it is different. How did your mediumship develop, Steve? Well, mine... I, I could throw the old adage, oh, I've been seeing spirits since I was two, but I've not. Um, <laughs> it's, and I, I, don't, I don't like that because, to be honest, I can't remember when I was two. I always get a bit wary when people tell me that. Um, you know, I have vague recollections of being 18, never mind two. Um, but at the end of the day, I developed within a, a very different framework and... The way that I teach, if, if you let me go off tangent a wee bit here, Steve, the, uh -huh. the way I teach is I encourage people to learn their mediumship by looking at their life's experiences. Because I, I started out, as, a, as an individual, I was very, I'll, I'll use the term empathic, but I don't mean I'm picking up stuff everywhere, but I, I was very aware of people's emotions. And you could tell talking to someone... I was very open to their body language and the way they spoke, if they were upset or angry, and it's, it's always been difficult to hide emotions from me. So as a young child, I always grew up in that environment, and people thought, he's such a sensitive wee boy, and all these kind of stories that you hear getting banded about, and I was. I was quite sensitive in that I could tell when I had said something to upset someone, to, to upset another person, and that I didn't enjoy feeling like that. I believe that's where it all starts. It all starts with your ability to tap into your own capacity for human emotion and to understand it. Because when spirit comes through, the first thing they will do is tap into the very core and the very foundation of, of what makes you the person you are. And that's your emotions that you hold within your own spiritual energy. It's the spirit inside you that they tap into. So... As this started to develop, I went through life, you know, when I was younger, just, it's that silly thing. I, I could walk into the house and I would know if my parents had had an argument. There was just an atmosphere, you know, and I was very open to that. And that stayed with me throughout my life. That's the only thing that I can actually say that is, is my main connection to my starting development as a medium. After that, uh, I... I was always interested, perhaps it was in a previous life, who knows, but that's an entirely different discussion for somebody else. You know, we'll not go there at the present moment. But um, I've always been interested in the martial arts ever since I was a, a tiny child. Since I was about six, I always wanted to do judo, karate, all this kind of stuff. And I got into that round about seven or eight. Right. And I started in judo, eventually moved into karate, and eventually moved into aikido. Um, oh, you know. Sorry? I took Aikido. I it's good, going to sleep. It's excellent. Got my belt, got my belt in Aikido. Excellent. Mm. That's another thing we didn't know about you. That's two okay. things I found out about you today, a master tap dancer and an Aikido practitioner. There you go. So anyways, the, you got into these masters, uh, these disciplines. Yes, and from those disciplines, um, what started to happen was I took an interest in the, philosoph uh, the, the philosophical side of the martial arts. So I started to look at ways of doing things like meditation, ways of trying to relax, 
uh, because as I was growing up, I was actually quite an angry young man, you know, in my, you know, early tens, late teens. I was always very angry all the time. And I believe that stems back to just that ability to be involved emotionally with my environment. So I looked towards meditation when I was about 12 or 13, 14. I can't remember the exact time, to be honest. It was round about then. And I started to learn to meditate because I was doing karate at the time and we did a little at the start of every class. So as that started to develop, I began to become aware of what it feels like to just lose yourself in the moment, to lose your thoughts and to just, you know, find yourself a quiet space. And it was through finding that quiet space. And again, this is happening over the course of about 10 years now. When I started to get into my late 20s, uh, I, I, I began to find that through the philosophical and the, the spiritual aspect of Aikido that I was studying at the time, that it wasn't just enough to be involved in a martial art. I also wanted to learn some of the healing arts associated with it. So I started to learn to heal through shiatsu, again tied into the martial arts. You know, the, it's like acupuncture, but you use massage and finger pressure. But you're activating the same points. And it's through this ability to heal that I think you develop this, a, a, a more compassionate nature. So there were several compounded factors here, Steve. There, there, there was my, my own emotional state as a young child and that ability to just... And I, I use the term ability very loosely. We all have it. But some of us choose just to ignore it. You know, I was very open to people's emotions. I'm, I, I'm very difficult to lie to unless you're my wife. Uh, <laughs> then it's very easy to lie to me. Uh, particularly about shoes. And so I, I always found that played an, an aspect along with my development and my meditation and just losing myself. And then with that compassion that was born from learning the healing arts as well, all compounded with the philosophical and the spiritual nature of the martial art that, that, cried, that my soul was crying out for at the time, to be honest. All of that came into place. And when I first met my first spiritual medium, it was a connection with a lovely lady in, a, uh, in one of the towns in Ayrshire, actually one of the main ones called Ayr. And I thought it was absolute bunk. I didn't believe it. And I went to this lady and she told me all this stuff and I'd this or that, the next thing. She told me about all these things that were going to happen. I had three dogs in spirit, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I thought, yeah, that's nice, crazy. And we left. About five months, six months later, my wife and I went back for another reading. Uh, again, I was dragged along. I was, I was smiling. She wasn't my wife at the time. We were just going together. So, you know, anything to keep them happy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, I went along to this lady and I had literally, the week before that, lost my dog. And she came through with all this bump, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said to me, there's four dogs in spirit. And I thought, but you said three the last time. Now, you don't know my dog's died. It just died a week ago. Okay, that's different. And then she began to describe it, and she described the, the dog in detail. And she, she couldn't get the name, I'll be honest, but she gave me parts of the name which were important to me. And I suddenly thought, hang on a minute. This, there may be something more to this than I'm giving credence for. Right. She also told me at the time, I don't normally tell people this, and you know the next word, but... Uh, she said, I've got people from Spirit wanting to say that you're very, and she, she used the term psychic, you've got a great energy, it bounces all around the room. And, it's, and I thought, she says, you should really look at developing. And that's how it started. I thought, okay, 
I'll have a look at this. And I went along to my local church and I was developing very slowly over the course of about another 10 years uh, just to get to a point where I found an opportunity to step forward and actually, you know, right, let's, you know, um, let's put the flag up, see if, <laughs> see if we can catch the wind and see if we can make it work here. And it's, again, it's still a slow process. Uh, I feel I'm learning all the time. But that's essentially how it all started for me, Steve. It was several factors had to... When I look back on it, any break in the chain along any one of those points, I probably wouldn't be doing this today. Hmm. I find that interesting. So I know that we're coming up on the break, but I think we have time to answer this, this question. And, and we talk about the spiritualist church. I mean, there are different types of spiritualism, too, the way they present themselves. And, I mean... I know some churches that actually go very much into physical mediumship. Yes. Is, is that different than the one you belong to? Yes. Uh, the Essentially, the, they do work with physical mediumship, but it's not presented from the platform. The reason being is that essentially in this country, uh, and particularly in Europe, uh, all mediumship is covered by the European Consumer Protection Regulations now. <laughs> Believe it or not, we are regulated. We are, oh, that's why we have to be certified. Keep it clean, Steve. Um, I it never crossed my mind. <laughs> this so, this, this um, show is for entertainment purposes only. Yeah, There are various things that you can and cannot do from the platform, Ron, and physical mediumship is essentially one of them as part of a service. The same as you cannot go into trance because the law in this country and in Europe does not recognise a third party speaking through you in that way so, because... Essentially, you're not you, you're, you're someone else. Stephen, the government is in religion, they regulate religion. I'm a f it's hard to believe, Ron, I know, it's hard to believe, but yes, it does happen. Wow, that's... So, but only for trans work, you cannot go on the platform and, look like, for example, when I did my training with the SNU to get my platform accreditation, you're not allowed to close your eyes in case you're in trance, in which case you're not <laughs> delivering the message. Yeah. It's the spirit coming through you who's delivering the message, and that's not recognized. Next thing, they won't let you go close your eyes when you kiss. Boy, that's an entirely different matter, Ron. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I can't, I, it really amazes me that they would actually interfere with religion. Well, see, that's uh, I'm sure see, they I, don't. I'm sure they don't go into the, 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 the mosques and tell them how to... Uh, no, they don't, and it, that created a little can of worms. It's, it's the only religion that seems to be covered by this, but it, it falls under the rules for psychics, psychism and all that, because over here, uh, we still, there's still old tenets of the Fraudulent Mediums Act, etc., no. over here. Uh, but, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the history of this now. I believe that's now... I can't remember. I think that's now being replaced by the European Consumer Protection Regulations. But you, yes, it has. Yeah, I think it has. So it's, it, it, but, it did. It, it fell under the uh, what was it? The Vagrancy and Witchcraft the, Act for a while. The Vagrancy as well, Act. For, yeah, the it vagrancy fell under Act the Vagrancy. In, yeah, sorry, Steve. It's still in place up here, if I remember correctly. You've still got it. You've still got it up, up north of the border. Vagrancy and legislation is now time to take a break, and that's okay. Anyways, you'll listen to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Coach Ted Perry. Ghost Ted. Hey, Whatever. Right?
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parrax family. Alright. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so we are, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these Cemetery Tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. And the frantic beating of Ron Kolek's heart means we're back for part two of Ghost Chronicles International. It's still beating. That's so cool. Yep, uh, we're back with part two of Ghost Chronicles International with uh, the real gatekeeper, apparently, um, over there in the US of A. Up north of the border, we have our very special guest in the soon-to-be independent Kingdom of Scotland, uh, spiritualist medium Stephen Scott. (laughs) You can tell the English are all celebrating the freedom of Scotland because it means we won't have to be paying for their NHS <laughs> any longer. Well, uh, yes, that's political very rant over. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 have, I have one question: if if Ron's a gatekeeper, please tell me you're not the keymaster. Yeah, I was. I've always wondered about that. I'm hoping one day he'll never announce that. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, I've been, and but he is—he is in fact the gate, the gatekeeper, and has been for a very long time. 
course, we miss uh, Harold Ramis, and you know, I've been watching a, a, a marathon of Ghostbuster movies. So, uh, rest his soul. So mm-hmm. maybe we can get him on the show. Wouldn't that be like really cool if he could come through? Well, better than Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, if you think someone like that would be able to uh, come through, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Anyways, uh, before the, you, we are, you know, you listen to uh, Ghost Chronicle International right here on Tojanet Parax Ghost Channel and Beyond, and we are speaking with Scottish spiritualist medium Stephen. And earlier in the show, we did have a um, a question in the chat room by from Ghost Girl, and she asked Stephen, "Do you have a spirit guide?" Uh, well, yes, I do. However, um. I just let them go on with it. I don't necessarily speak to them. I try to avoid, you know, getting involved with them. Uh, whenever I'm working from platform, uh, or I think it's gallery you call them, Ron, isn't it? Uh, whenever I'm doing a gallery or anything like that, uh, I just, if, if, if you can feel the presence of more than one individual trying to move in, I just send a thought out. To a guide, can you take care of this? Get them in, i.e., you know, a bit like an usher in a cinema, you know, just get them in a get them in a formal, orderly queue, and just I'll deal with them when they come forward. Um, I try to avoid getting caught up in the spirit. I call it the spirit guide trap um, because it's it's of those things that uh, I know I have an imagination. I know I have. Uh, a creative streak through my body and when I'm sitting and I listened I once tried one of these uh, the author shall remain nameless uh, one of these DVDs sorry uh, CDs you know connect with your spirit guide and Mm. do you know I've already told you my history I've told you where my passion lay when I was younger do you know I got a Japanese woman coming forward now I don't want to be the only cynic in the room but of course (laughs) I would because that's the way my brain was programmed at the time. So I immediately just pushed it aside and thought, right, that's fine. I'll leave that as an experience. I honestly know I have guides. I may have more than one. I may only have one. Uh, but I may have four, but in 195 days we'll be down to one because they're all leaving the country. And um, what I will find happens when I'm working is that I just ask them nice and quietly, can you sort it all out in the background and let them come forward one at a time? Because that's ultimately their job. Their job is to guide me. Now, there are times through life when I may be feeling a bit stuck or I may be feeling a bit out of sorts. And I will occasionally think, right, could a connection from a guide be helpful here? So I will go into a meditation and I will see what happens. I will ask for guidance, but I don't need to see the person giving me guidance it's it's kind of like uh, I suppose it's like the you know operator services of the spirit world. I suppose that's maybe the way I treat them. Uh, so I tend to contact them if things aren't right and if I need guidance. But ultimately, I let them get on with their job. And I know that may sound a bit strange, but I don't need to know who they are. I don't need to know who they've been. I just I feel them and I accept they're there and I know they're there, and I just let them get on with their job. Because ultimately, if I spend so much time, you know, interfering with them, I'm not going to be able to do my job when it comes down to it. So I, ju- I just let it 
all take place as it needs to take place. So yes, I do have them. Uh, I've never seen them. I rarely speak to them. Uh, if they come to me, I occasionally get a kind of sense or an intuition. But again, I could probably count the number of times in one hand in the past few years that's happened. Okay. The other thing I would wanted to ask you about is that, you know, since the Fox sisters were listening to their rappy tappies, uh, things have really changed in the in the uh, spiritualist world, and and now with with all electronic devices we have and everything, and for instance, the you know just the invention of the telephone alone, we have now telephone mediums where people will get messages through the telephone, and and now with sculpts, yeah, sculpts, Skypes, you can actually uh, get Skype messages, and and I understand this is something you're you're actually playing with as well, or. Are, are interested in, in, in getting involved this. Is it correct? Yes. Uh, we tried a few Skype readings before. I've, I've actually had one for yourself, Ron, and I had one for your colleague on uh, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, Anne. Mm-hmm. And it was, there is no reason why it should not work. Right. When you look at it, technically, if you write down on paper, you know, medium, check. Another human being, check. People coming from spirit, check. Okay, it works on paper. So why shouldn't it work at a distance? Because there, there is no... When you work with spirit, there's no... This space-time thing doesn't seem to tie in correctly, to be honest, half the time. Uh, you know, you, you can get information that is technically just around the corner. You get information from the past that comes through very, very clearly. And you get information for the present. Uh, and In fact, forming those links is part of what being a medium is about. You know, there are various types of evidence that you need to provide in order to prove that the link you have is genuine. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is no reason why that cannot be done via a distance uh, through through a medium <laughs> of Skype, uh, <laughs> you know, through a different medium. Uh, so, yes, and when I've tried it, it has been relatively successful. You know, it's it's been just as good as having a, a direct face-to-face Reading. What you do miss out on, though, if you don't have the connection, if, if, if you don't have a vid, uh, an actual video link, mm-hmm. when, when you're working, uh, the, I'll, I'll explain the reason why first, then go into the reasons for. Uh, when you're working, you're working at a very different vibration. The, the information comes through very, very fast. Very, very fast. So you need to stay on top of that information. Now, when you do not have direct contact with someone, if you give a piece of information that they are not able to take, and this is where there's a wee bit of psychology comes into this, you can immediately see it on their face, and you can bounce the question back before spirit has moved on to something else, or your energy drops out of that vibration. When you're working, you've got to keep your energy up very high. It's almost like... uh, it's, if, you, if you can imagine yourself shaking so fast that you, your energy actually raises up. Mm-hmm. And when you work mediumistically, you don't just sit there and wait for them to come to you. That's when you get very bitty, very static information. You need to get your energy up to try and at least meet them part way. Try and get to them as well. When you have pauses in the breakdown in information you get big gaps in your connection, a bit like a broken telephone line. 
And so that's the only difference is when you do a Skype reading, it's best to have it face-to-face because you still get that instant of, no, they don't take that. And before they've even said, no, you can bounce it back up. Well, give me something else. You need to go into this in more detail. You, you know, you, you might get a date that that information applied to. You might get a person that information applied to. Whereas when you don't have that face-to-face, this is what I've noticed to be the big difference. When you don't have that face-to-face, the pause on the other end of the line, you've really got to struggle to hold your link during that pause. And you've really got to not let your own human fears kick in. Oh, do they, do they understand? Am I getting it wrong? You know, have I upset them? You know, you, you don't have these links. And on the flip side of that, just as I said there, it's when you're working with someone, you can visually see if what you're saying is too much for them to take. So it's, it's quite important that you, you, can't, you can get that face-to-face. So anybody working with Skype, I would encourage at least try and get some kind of, you know, try and get some kind of camera link if you can with it. Because you need to be able to see if what you're saying is upsetting someone and actually ask them, you know, are you okay? Do you want to continue? Because ultimately, there's no point throwing information at someone if it's going to upset them. I guess you're going to come down hard on psychic readings by text message then. Well, um, (laughs) each to their own, Steve. That's all I can say is that um, when people go looking for readings, they go looking for readings for many different reasons. And if you want to text someone, I don't know, for £5 and have... I'm, I'm going to be a bit harsh here. I'm going to call it a fortune cookie reading. Because you don't know what's just generated this message to you. It could be automated. You know, there's no connection there. Um, yeah, I would be a bit... I would be a little uh, sceptical. I, I, I have to say, I'm a huge sceptic. I'm a prove-it-to-me type of person. And I always say, if it's not... You know, if I can't see it and I can't experience it, as far as I'm concerned, it's not happening right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, and it's, it's, I need to see it in order to, exp- and to experience it in order to say, yeah, this was genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Stephen, if somebody wanted to, to get in touch with you and, and, and maybe try one of these readings with you or, or at least give you their thoughts on it, how would they c- connect with you? They can connect through me through my website, which is stephenwkscott.com. It, there's a little form there you can fill out and just get in touch, and we could try and get something out. Uh, as I was saying earlier, though, all the readings will be covered by consumer protection regulations. So the onus is on the client, the sitter, to, if, if it's not working in five, six, seven minutes, they can just terminate it, and that's it. They don't need to do anything. They don't need to pay me for time or anything. That's it. So hmm. it's, they are fully protected by the European consumer protection regulations. There you go. So anyways, one thing I, I do want to mention, and before I forget, and the show's all over, that, of course, in this September, um, this group here will be joined together for a special event. So I'm excited. Uh, I will be with the two Stevens, Stephen Scott and Stephen Parsons, in uh, Groveland, Massachusetts, for Spirit Quest number three, uh, which is Genesis, the Rise, which is... Uh, the beginning of spiritualism and the beginning of ghost hunt, hunting and how they uh, use different methodology but uh, searching for the same goal. So uh, I'm really excited about this and, and, and uh, I'll finally get to meet you uh, there in September as well as uh, seeing, what's his name again, uh, Parsons. 
It's actually uh, it, it, it's 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 a really great idea to to link the two because uh, the very earliest um, sort of baby steps of psychical research. Obviously, people have been exploring the, the concept of ghosts long predates uh, the 19th century, but. Um, we have, you know, the Society for Psychical Research worked very closely with spiritualism um, in its early days before they had a parting of the ways. And, of course, Harry Price rented uh, his offices in Queensbury, Queensbury uh, Gardens uh, from the Spiritualist Association. Uh, so there is, you know, a long association between spiritualists and, and psychical research. And that's something I think we can, we can build upon during Spirit Quest. Yeah, and, and, comp- and competitively, I would imagine. Competitively, I don't know what that means, but uh, I guess it means fight. Well, anyways, be- before we get on- <laughs> before we get on to that, I, I would like to uh, bring up another episode of uh, Beyond Bizarre from my uh, favorite girl Vala Ventura. So, uh, without further ado, uh, can we play that, please. Little Zombies In Texas, the fire ant, one of the South's biggest pests, is facing a new predator of its own. Researchers at Texas A&M University have introduced a tiny forage fly, originally native to South America, to lay their eggs onto fire ants. These eggs hatch into maggots inside the ant and begin to eat away at the ant's brains, essentially turning the fire ants into tiny little zombies. The ants wander around for up to two weeks while the maggots eat away at their brains until the ants' heads fall off. Then, the maggot turns into a fly and is ready to start the cycle over again. A terrifying tidbit from Viola Ventura's Beyond Bizarre. Yeah, this is one of the creepiest. Uh, uh, yeah, particularly the organ, the out-of-tune organ at the end. <laughs> that, uh, well, there you go, modern science at its best. <laughs> so, uh, <sighs> you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Tojanet Pararex, Ghost Channel Beyond. Our special guest, Stephen Scott who is a spiritualist medium and who will be coming over here in September, which, you know, I am excited to work with because you have worked with me remotely uh, through Skypes, oddly enough, at my paranormal study groups a couple of times, haven't you, Stephen? Yes. Yeah, that was an interesting experience, uh, if I remember rightly. Um, You'll notice I'm using the word interesting, not necessarily successful, but... um, (laughs) No, it, it was. It was really good. That was the, that was you with your special box that you brought out. Tell me what's in the box, kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting, uh, and it was actually quite fun to do as well, to be honest. Uh, and it was, I was actually quite uh, honoured to be allowed to be part of the group that night. You know, it was interesting, and and that when you use that term, that's what it's about. It's 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 experiment, and it's not like. Uh, you know, chemistry experiments where if you mix two elements together, you're going to get this all 100% of the time. These are experiments. You sometimes work and sometimes they don't work. Uh, 
And that's the purpose of doing them, and to find out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as, as you say, if, if you don't try, you'll never know. And uh, you, it's difficult at times to get the right conditions to actually... You know, I've said before, I, I, I tend to suck big time at psychic things. Uh, I really do. I'm, I'm not very good at it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm much more comfortable working within a spiritual energy. That suits me mo uh, a lot better. But, mm -hmm. the, uh, but no, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with what we got that night. Uh, I've t I'm, tr I'm trying to remember what it was. It was you, you, you had an item and I talked about, I saw it coming from darkness. Mm-hmm. And that was a nickname for someone that you used, I think. Uh, and I think that was about the highlight of the name. That was about as good as it got. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, is Steve Parsons and myself have been exper experimenting with uh, uh, crossword puzzles, having the uh, spirits do crossword puzzles. And uh, we had, uh, of course, uh, our first attempt was, you know, nothing to write home about, but it was the first attempt. And... It, it's interesting using a medium might be another way of, of accomplishing this task as well, where, uh, you know, they give the, the, uh, the spirit gives the, uh, well, well, yeah. well, actually, sorry to interrupt you, Ron, but it wouldn't, unfortunately, because, um, the problem there lies in the fact that because we, we know so little about the, me the, me uh, the mechanisms of mediumship, uh, one of the arguments, one of the theories that have been proposed um, to, to, to try and validate the experiences is that what in actual fact is taking place is that medium is using telepathy or mind reading. That's, that's true. That's so true. It, would, it, would be, it wouldn't be um, a, a reasonable... Yeah, you, you couldn't guarantee where the information was coming from. Exactly. I think I could devise an experiment where we could definitely have double blind on it. Not a problem at all. Um, but that's okay. Well, uh, when you've when you've devised that, let parapsychology know because they can't they can't find a double blind way of testing a medium yet. Well, you know that's parapsychologist is somebody wants. Well, to, yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's come here five minute. Come here for five minute pop at parapsychology. We have a what? Come here for five minute go at parapsychology because we haven't had a rant about parapsychology for a couple of weeks. Uh, Stephen Scott, what do you what do you what is your feeling? Yeah, what do you think of parapsychologists? Yeah, there you go. Well, I've, I've never met one that I didn't like. I think I've only I don't think I've met one, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I think there's a fine line between being sceptical and cynical, and for the most part, most of the parapsychologists that I've met, I think perhaps with the exception of Cal Cal Cooper. Mm -hmm. uh, has been very cynical, i.e. they want to, I, I almost feel as though they want to come from a perspective of disproving, and that, the angle is coming in from disproving rather than looking for a scientific explanation. Uh, well, they're afraid to put themselves out there is what they are, is, is that they're afraid of ridicule, they're afraid of uh, their, peer, uh, their peers. Well, it's easier to disprove through statement than for someone else to prove through a statement. You know, if if I were to do a reading and a parapsychologist was there and they would say, well, you're just using telepathy. And I would say, well, no, there's a spirit there. We'll prove it. Well, I can't. It's there. Do you know what the I mean? Great, the, the, great thing about, oh, the great thing about what the parapsychologist just said is he's trying to say, no, you're not speaking to dead people. You're using telepathy. 
Now, yes. forgive me, but telepathy is just as paranormal. Weird, <laughs> yeah. And as weird as... And if you can get a telepathic link with a living mind, and as we yeah. don't know quite... And as nobody knows yet what happens to the mind post-death, why can't you get the same telepathic link with a mind that's well, not living? Well, you've actually brought up an interesting point, Steve, is that uh, there are various what we call... What, what psyche people call clear senses, clear audience clear cognizance, you know, clairvoyance, you know, which is basically thoughts, sights, feelings, you know, clear gustins, tasting things, clear aliens, the smell of things. You use these psychic abilities when you're using mediumship. It's the same faculties that you develop that you use to connect with spirit because the spirit you're connecting with, of course, you're, you're, although they're connecting to you and you're connecting to them, all the work gets done through these extended, excuse me, these extended senses. And that's why you hear the statement that, you know, all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. Because you then have to take that ability and tune it differently to pick up that information. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, you're abs- uh, yeah, it is, it's... And but, but aren't you also, uh, at the end of the day, a human being? So you're also going to be, uh, and this comes into sort of the area of ghost hunting, um, you're also going to be affected by the normal environmental things that go on, you know, the sound, the electromagnetic fields, these things that, that we do know from research do affect people. And I remember conducting a series of experiments with another spiritualist medium um, at a, a location uh, which was haunted, said to be haunted, and in which we were measuring the environment. And what was interesting was uh, over the course of the, of the, uh, the visit, uh, the, the medium's impressions, psychic impressions, which he was, he was documenting for, is coincided very, very well with the environmental anomalies. And yes. when we talked about it afterwards, it was actually Carl who said to me, he said, well, you know, I'm a human being. I'm just putting my, 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 my own personal spin on it because, you know, I, I'm a psychic, I'm a medium. Um, and so I get these strange sensations. And so I'm more in, inclined to, to uh, attribute them to a, a, a spiritualist or a psychic mm-hmm. cause. Well, that's why when I was talking earlier, uh, remember when I said the training and the methods of how I developed. That's why uh-huh. when I teach, the first thing I teach people is like a basic Zen-style meditation. Lose yourself. Because when you work mediumistically, you don't want to be perceiving your exterior environment. Right. That way, when you're working, you know it's coming from your connection to spirit. When you work psychically, you do the opposite. You enhance your psychic faculties to try and pick up uh-huh. on your environment. So it's two very different ways of working. One is to try and enhance so that you, you, you do pick up. The other one is to shut down as much as possible so that all that you're using is your faculties within a, a nature to connect to spirit. So you sh- effectively try and take yourself, not like in trance, you don't lose yourself, you don't give yourself up, but you try and shut down as much as you can by controlling your own thoughts, feelings, emotions, mm-hmm. perspectives, sensations, and allow the connection from spirit to come through. The difference is that the... When I've been to a couple of haunted locations, I get asked to go on board, and I picked up a lot of stuff from, as you, as you say, it was, it was quite incredible. I, was, I thought it'd be rubbish, and I got a lot of stuff very pertinent, even to the point where I felt I was always being dragged out of a building and down, miles away and hung. And this person was, this, this individual had been hanged in the centre of Glasgow after being dragged out of a house 
after well, the we're, we're going to put you through that same test when you come over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Roy. So, and anyways, uh, we, that was the doorbell, which means pizza. Oh, I didn't hear that. So we got to wrap it up. But one thing I, I remember from my Aikido is, and that has something, what you were talking about is that I remember one of the exercises, they would form lines and you would walk to the wall and you would basically walk through those people as if they weren't there. That was your exercise. You, you, you just tuned everything out and there was nothing but the wall and that's where you were going. Didn't the U.S. military try that with staring at goats and having soldiers walking through walls with yes. no effect whatsoever? Oh, we they did just it. Bounced, it. They it's just an bounced amazing off. exercise. It, it uh, well, according to, according to the book, they, 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 the soldiers who were told to go and walk through that wall just didn't do it. They just fell over and hurt this themselves. This is in your mind, though, Steve. You're mentally going to the wall. The people getting to the wall, you Well... Well, we get, at oh, the end of the show, I'm, go, I'm going outside to, and I'm going to stare at the sheep in the field behind the house and see if it killed them. And it's time to say goodbye. So for me and that other fellow who can't keep his mouth closed, uh, <laughs> we want to thank Stephen Scott for being on the show. And I look forward to seeing you in September. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, very good. Thank you, Stephen. And, thank you. Uh, and once again, your website, give it out quickly. It's stephenwkscott.com. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank Good you. God bless. Good night. Before we fade out. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.